Hey everyone, and welcome to this episode of the Breaking the Barrier podcast. I'm Andrew, I'm riding solo today. Uh, it's been a busy couple of weeks. The reason that I'm going solo today, well, there's a couple of reasons. A, my parents are here, um, so they're, they're just out in the lounge room at the moment. They're leaving tomorrow, and uh, that's kind of a kind of a sad, kind of a sad little uh, feeling that I've got going on now, but hopefully they'll be back soon, uh, sooner than it was the last time they came here. The other reason is that unfortunately, unfortunately, Zach has finally caught the disease which must not be named. <laughs> so he is in isolation. Uh, I think he's recovering pretty well. Uh, I believe, unfortunately, Liz has gotten it as well. So he is kind of out of commission at the moment. Hopefully next week we will get back together and figure out what we want to uh, what we want to talk about in terms of of leading up to the marathon because we are now uh, just under three weeks away from the Melbourne Marathon. So I have I have hopes that Zach will be able to run it in the way that he wanted to run it. You know because obviously COVID is just can be a tough one in terms of your aerobic system and your breathing and your lung capacity. So hopefully he recovers really well. So what I wanted to come and do is is talk a little bit about the benefits of coaching because I realize that we are now at a place, especially if you're getting ready for those A races, you're at a place where you may either be feeling like you've done well and you're kind of ready for that next step, for that race, for that next block of training, or you might be kind of worried about what's coming and like, oh, I don't know if I've prepared enough. I don't know if I've done enough. That, look, I'm not going to lie to you, with or without a coach, you're probably going to be, <laughs> you're probably going to be feeling that. But, you know, in terms of having a coach, it's just a really great way to know how to push yourself, more importantly, know how to hold back when you have to. And know that you can move forward toward a goal and have somebody that has your best interests at heart in terms of what your your specific goals are. And so I'm going to talk a little bit about that. So the benefits of coaching. Obviously, I'm a coach. I am a trainer. I'm not a running coach per se. I am able to help you gain fitness in terms of running. I could put together a plan for you in terms of like a couch to 5k, couch to 10k, even a couch to marathon. And that is based on anecdotal experience in terms of, you know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't consider myself a running coach. I'm not an expert on running, but I certainly would be able to help my clients become better runners. And then if they wanted to take that to the next level, I would say to them, well, it's probably a good idea for you to go to a specific or specialized running coach, uh, and this way you could you could get the most out of it. For me, I am a personal trainer, of course, specializing in fitness, fat loss, you know, weight loss, aesthetics, strength, that sort of thing. So I'm, I'm more sp- uh, specialized in doing that. So if you're looking for you know, if you're looking to shed fat, look good in the mirror, or get stronger, that's that's much more where I come into play. Uh, even if you're recovering from certain injuries or are an aging athlete, I can definitely help with that. And, you know, in terms of the running, yeah, 
I would help you get you on your way, but then I would I would sort of refer you to a more specialized running coach, like like my running coach, Kirk DeWint, over at the Running Public. Now, I've had the pleasure of working with a few different coaches in my time, you know, because even coaches need coaches. You know, there's always somebody who knows more than we do, and, you know, it, it, it's just really beneficial to acknowledge that. So I've had a few great coaches in my time. Obviously, some I still work with, like Kirk and Paul James. I still work with them. Uh, my very first running coach was Stephen Walden over at the Marathon Training Academy. Uh, I feel like, you know, I, I got to a point where I felt like I got the most I could out of him. I, well, I don't know if it was the most that I could get out of him. I just think that I wasn't responding to that training for whatever reason. And I think, you know, that's okay. Not all coaches are going to fit and that's fine. And then you will find that you do work with some coaches that you will outgrow. I think that a lot of coaches take comfort in that when an athlete says to them, well, I think I've outgrown what we can do. I need to find somebody who can take me to that little, that little bit further. I think that that's okay. I think that that's just fine. So, you know, right now I'm working obviously with, with Kirk. So, you know, the reason that the, the reason that I kind of, aside from leading up to the marathon and thinking about, are we ready? Did we do enough? But I'm also seeing great, you know, gains in my running. And I was thinking about this the other day and I was like, you know, there are so many benefits to coaching. So for example, okay, my 5k PR, PB, 1952. Okay. I'm not really running that at the moment. Maybe. I don't know. I uh, The last 5K I'd, time trial I did was a couple weeks ago. I don't know that I would be at 1952 so soon after that. Um, but I'm certainly at one of the fastest I've ever been. So basically, Kirk and I have been working together for almost five months now. At the end of our first block, at the end of our first four weeks, I did a 5K time trial. And that was base level fitness. You know, I you know I just come off from a couple of ultras and some training uh, from there, but I hadn't really uh, focused on anything specifically in terms of overall. I was just trying to get through a couple of events. That first 5K time trial was really hard. I started out at about a 22 minute pace, so I don't know, it's like four minutes 20, four minutes 30, something like that per kilometer. And about two and a half to three kilometers in, I stopped. I just, I stopped. I stopped my watch. I was like so tired. Like I just overrebbed so much. And on paper, that that time trial said 21.30 or 21.45, whatever it said. It was sub 22 minutes, right? And that was on paper. But I didn't take into the account, into account the three to five minutes that I stopped my watch. So really, that first 5K time trial was like 25 or 26 minutes. Now, running an even pace 25 or 26 minute 5K for me is not, probably would not have been that hard then, but the fact that I started so quickly and over-revved so fast and I was just not there, I just, I just blew up really quickly. And that was, you know, that was something I had to live with. So on paper, it was like a 21, I think 45 or so, 5K, but really it was like a 26 minute or something because I had stopped moving for five minutes. A couple weeks ago, after working with Kirk for a few months, 
I ran another 5K time trial. I didn't stop, but it, <laughs> this one went much better. And I ran it in 2115. So it's not a, a PR, it's not a PB, but really in a few months, I ran five minutes faster for my 5K. That's um, that's huge. That <laughs> that is a big that is a big difference in terms of a 5K. And that was because I had a coach who was helping me to sp specifically work on things that needed to be work on worked on. So the first probably 12 weeks, mm, the first maybe eight to 10 weeks actually, we didn't really do a lot of speed work. We're only just starting to get into speed work in the last month or so, uh, a little bit more heavier, a little bit more heavily. And it was just all base building. It was all building my aerobic engine. You know, I, I, I got five minutes, I basically got five minutes faster on my 5k, not because of a lot of speed work, but because we really specifically worked on my aerobic capacity. It was a lot of slow miles, you know, it was a lot of 80-20 stuff, and in terms of 80% of my runs are easy, 20% are hard, and that 80% encompasses everything easy. So, in other words, if I did do a slightly more challenging run one or two days a week, that doesn't mean that if I'm running five days a week, that's 30 to 40% of my runs harder. That just means a lot, a good portion of that would have been easy runs. So in other words, 80% of my runs were easy. 80% of my running was easy. That includes all the easy recovery days. That includes all the warm-ups and cool-downs. And then the 20% encompasses the hard efforts. So in a few months, to save five minutes off of that, that's that's like huge. That's huge. That's a huge jump in a 5k. And that was because, like I said, I had a coach who was helping me out. So that's kind of what sparked this episode. So I guess the benefits of coaching is like, how can you, I guess the first thing is value. You get so much. So the number one benefit of coaching is the value that you're getting. Can you put a value on not having to think about what you need to do? So we've all had goals in running or strength training or aesthetics, and we've all kind of been in that place. Oh man, I don't know where to start. I don't know how to. I don't know how to, you know, get going. I don't know what to do. When you have a coach, you don't need to worry about that stuff. And a lot of people that ask me, is it worth the cost? Is is coaching worth the cost? I mean, I'm biased, of course. I'm a coach myself, but my question is always, what value can you put on? not having to think about what you have to do. Like that is the hardest part, where to begin and what structure to take. That's what I tell all my clients at the gym. You know, when they come to me, how much are your sessions? And I tell them. And, you know, some of them, sometimes they'll say, oh, well, that, that seems expensive. And so I'll say to them, well, yeah, that is expensive. But, sorry, I'm moving things around in my office. Uh, yes, that is expensive, but what is the what do you what do you put on your health? What value do you put on your health? What value do you put on being able to reach your goals? Because obviously what you've been doing is not working. And I don't believe that I'm that expensive. Like full transparency, if if I'm training you in a gym, I give you a half hour session and that is $50. If I give you two sessions a week, I'll charge you $70. Uh, and you know, we, we go from there. I have one client who does five sessions a week with me. I've got another client who does three. I've got a couple that do one. 
it's all the, just based on what it is that you want to put into or what you can put into. But I will always say it is just invaluable what what you can get out of having somebody doing the thought for you. Then the second thing, the next thing is accountability. Accountability is a huge benefit of coaching. I obviously work with Andy Latomsky uh, with Team Accountable. So Accountable is right in the name. You know, you are going to push yourself harder and you're going to stay more consistent when you have somebody that you're staying accountable to. And it's not necessarily that these people are going to judge you. Like I say to my clients all the time, like you're not, like if they say to me that they've had a bad day or they've binged or they've eaten junk food or they missed a workout or this or that. And I'm like, and they say to me, I don't want to let you down. Well, you're not really letting me down. That's not what accountability is. It's not that you have somebody that you're trying to let down, but you will always feel in the back of your mind that you are living up to an expectation. And to be honest, there is an expectation because it's, this goes both ways. Yes, you're paying a coach to do the work for you, but that coach is doing the work for you. So you know that you're expected to do that work. And if you don't do that work, I got news for you. If you don't do that work, we're going to know. Coaches know. Because if you don't progress, it's not because you're the 0.0001% of people who you know, progressive overload doesn't work for, it's because you're not doing the work. And having that accountability, knowing that, will help to push you further and farther than you, well, ever thought possible. So take comfort in knowing that accountability is there to, to get the best out of you. Because if you miss a workout and you have nobody to like there's nobody there kind of watching your progress. It's not really a big deal. It's like, oh, I don't feel like working out today. I'll just push it off to tomorrow or the next day or the next day after that. But if you have somebody who's structured a week for you and you wake up and you don't feel like doing that workout, maybe you think twice about m missing that workout. Yes, there are going to be days when you just can't physically get through a workout and that's fine. That is so rare though. Most of the times if you don't want to do a workout, it's just because you're being lazy. Like... I know that sounds harsh, but most that's that's really that is the harsh truth. Nine times out of ten, you're not missing a workout because you can't physically handle it. It is so hard to overtrain. It is possible, but a lot of us don't overtrain. Most of the time, we're missing workouts because we're lazy, or we've or we've managed our time so poorly that we can't get it in. We can't fit it in. So, if you have a coach that you know that you have to stay accountable to, it's like, oh, man, if I, if I miss this workout, it's going to throw me off the rest of the week. And I've got to tell the coach about that. And not that they're going to slap you on the wrist, but you know, that's a conversation that you need to have. Maybe it makes you think twice about missing that workout. Maybe it makes you think twice about hitting that snooze button on your alarm. It's like, all right, well, I, I don't feel like doing this workout, but I know that once I get into it, I'll feel better and I'll feel good after I do it. And I'll be able to tell my coach that, yeah, man, I wasn't, I wasn't feeling it, but I got through it. Like, I can't tell you how many times that I've said to Kirk, yeah, dude, I wasn't feeling this workout, but I got into it. And you know, my, like my easy runs, right? My easy recovery runs on a Monday, they're at eight miles, you know, it's 13 kilometers plus strides. And I got to tell you, they're, they're boring. Those, <laughs> those workouts are so boring because it's like, I know I'm trying to keep my heart rate under 140. 
anywhere between 135 and 140, and that puts me at like a 645 kilometer, about a 1045 to 1050 mile. And that means that's going to take me like almost an hour and a half. And it's not sexy. It's not flashy. It's just like a boring workout. And sometimes you just don't feel like doing it. And there's so many times I've, because I always write a summary to Kirk at the end of every week. You know, it's kind of like, it's almost, it doubles as a workout journal uh, and an accountability journal. And there are so many times that first workout of the week, you know, it's it's the first day back after uh, a rest day, after a long run. And so many times I've said, man, I just wasn't feeling it. But I got out there and, you know, maybe I switched it up and I put the strides in the middle of my workout instead of at the end of my workout. And that kind of pumped me up a little bit. But there are going to be times when you just don't feel like doing it because you don't feel like doing it. But when you have an accountability partner there to get it done, you're more likely to get it done. So the next thing, the third thing, the benefit of coaching is... You have advice. You have advice when you're unsure about something. I ask Kirk and PJ, and I used to ask Steve, and sometimes I, you know, when I when I was working with Mark a little bit with WinFit, I would ask him. Whenever I don't know, I ask, and you have somebody who has the answers. And if they don't have the answers, they will find the answers. But nine nine times out of ten, they will have them. Like for example, today, I said to Kirk, and I ask him questions about my workouts all the time or recovery all the time. I said to him today, all right, dude, so tomorrow we have, tomorrow I have a workout. It's, um, he gave me, basically, Kirk gave me the 800s and 400s workout. It's basically 800 meter repeat, uh, sorry, 800 meters, rest 60 seconds, 400 meters, rest 90 seconds, and then repeat that six times. And I'm running both of those efforts hard. So I said to him, dude, what should I be running these at? Because, uh, you know, He'll just say, sometimes in the running plan, he'll say, do these efforts hard. And so sometimes I'll ask him, what does that mean? And now that we're getting a little bit further along in our running relationship, he's getting a little bit of a better idea of what my paces can be. So he's starting to put paces on workouts. Like this past weekend, he said, all right, we're going to go at goal marathon pace. You know, that's this. So do eight miles, do your warm up, then do eight miles at this pace, then do your cool down. And so it was a paced workout. So I asked him, what should my, what should I do? And he's like, well, all right, well, your 5K pace, your 5K in this training block right now is this. Do them both at that or better. So basically 5K or faster. And that to me, that's like golden information. Because otherwise, if you go in and you're just like not sure what to do, because, you know, we find these workouts online, do 400 meter repeats and blah, blah, blah. You might not know what that means. Like, all right, 400 meters, how fast? Sure. To me, it seems obvious that if I'm doing a 400 meter repeat, do it at 5k pace or faster, but not everybody feels that that's an obvious answer or sometimes that that's not the right answer. Sometimes that might be do that repeat at mile pace or faster or two mile pace or faster or 3k pace, which well, it's basically, basically two mile, but you know what I mean? There's, there's more that you can do. He might've said to me, well, do them at you know, 10K pace or marathon pace. So it's always good when you're unsure to be able to ask. And I ask him questions all the time. And it's not because, you know, it's not because he hasn't given me enough information. It's just because that's the kind of person I am. It's like, I want all the information I can get. And I'll ask him, you know, stuff about shoes, you know, uh, or what type of, 
you know, what type of response I can expect from a certain workout and this and that. And if he doesn't know, he'll ask, he'll ask. Like he, he, I asked him about, you know, something having to do with my shoe a, a couple months ago, my shoes. And he asked, he asked a friend of his, he asked his co-host of his podcast and I got my answer. And is that, you know, was that question going to make or break my race effort? No, but it was something that I wanted to know. And it sort of helps my knowledge in terms of it helps me prepare for what I should be doing. And they'll be able to tell you what, you know, could be what type of shoe you should be wearing on what type of run. They might give you advice on fueling. They might most likely give you advice on pacing. And they'll be able to help you with all the questions that you have. So the next thing, number four, is personal uh, tailored help. So personal tailored help. I can't say that five times fast. You know what you're, well, okay, you may or may not know what your body is capable of. And as a coach gets to know you, they will get to know what your body is capable of a little bit more and more. And that will reflect your workouts. And what's more, your goal, your goal race, your goal race pace, that will reflect your workout as well. You, I have worked with coaches who give, you know, sort of blanket plans that I'm just like, yeah, this isn't really personalized to me. And look, I'm not going to lie to you. There are so many plans out there that you can find on Google. Like, it's kind of obvious when a coach does that. But then there's the other thing is there are a lot of plans out there that are going to be universal for a lot of people. So it's not always so much, I guess, the plan, but it's the tailorization. Is that a word? The tailorization of that plan to you. So, okay, I've got this plan. What does this mean for me? And if you have a good coach, they will be able to tell you and they'll be able to sit with you and discuss with you any any questions that you have on those workouts and they'll be able to tell you why you're doing those workouts and what they will do for your personalized running and they will comment on your workouts if you give them feedback on them like I won't as a coach comment on every single one of my athletes workouts it's just not I just don't have time and it's not something that my athletes need but when they ask me a question about a specific workout I'm there if they make a specific comment on a workout and I feel like that needs you know some kind of response I'm giving it to them I will talk to them, you know, if I do, if I'm, well, if I'm working with clients in the gym, I talk to them whenever they're on a session with me. When I'm working with clients virtually, I have at least a once a week, well, I try to have at least a once a week or once every other week chat with them. And then we talk about their program and how it is tailored to them. And that's also a great point for me to say, all right, well, okay, so I've given you this. You're at this point now in your training. Maybe let's tweak this. Or you might be thinking, well, I'm kind of feeling like I'm outgrowing this program or I'm not quite ready for this program. And that is my time to tell you either yes, that's correct, or B, you know, let's let's keep rolling with it. Trust the process. Because that's the other thing. You're getting this reassurance from coaches that, you know, because sometimes you might not feel ready for that particular workout, but if that coach is confident in that, he'll tell you why, or she will tell you why, or they will change the plan. Because that's the other thing, you know, you, you the plans on Google aren't going to change, but a coach can change as needed. Number five, 
they help you stay honest with yourself. They absolutely help you stay honest with yourself. And this kind of goes back to accountability a little bit, but they, they sort of, they will look at your workouts and this is where it goes back to accountability and you can tell them one thing, but numbers don't lie. Like even that day that I did my 5k time trial that on Strava, that first one, it said like 2145 or whatever. Kirk would have looked at that and saw that yes, my moving time was 2145, but my elapsed time was over 26 minutes or 25 minutes, whatever it was. And he would know. And that's either his time to call me out on it or to let me learn from that myself. And if it happens again, call me out on it. You know, so they're there to help you stay honest with yourself because you can look at a great, I mean, you, you can look at a great number on Strava, but if you paused your watch or if you didn't do this or if you didn't do that, you know, but sometimes that's not enough. Sometimes you need somebody else to tell you, hey, that 20 minute 5k wasn't really a 20 minute 5k, it was a 25 minute 5k. So don't think that your fitness is there when it's not. Like there was no way after I did that first 5k, my fitness was at a 21 minute time. It just wasn't. But anybody looking at Strava who didn't look at the analysis would think, oh yeah, yeah, this guy can run a 21 minute 5k. Or it's the same thing with people who pause their watch in intervals. And you know, there's nothing wrong with that because when you pause your watch during intervals, it's actually a really easy way to get the, you know, get the metric of what you're doing. So you can actually see how fast you're going and this and that. And, and then, you know, cause if you, if you don't pause your watch, it kind of gets, um, diluted with, you know, with your rest time and everything, which is why I love Garmin. I don't know if other watches are like this, but what was why I love Garmin when you set up a workout, you can set the intervals and the rest time. And then you look at the Garmin, uh, workout analysis on the app and it tells you what your split times were for those intervals. I think that that's really invaluable, but sometimes, you know, if you're doing intervals and you don't pause your, and you do pause your watch, all of a sudden you're seeing that you've done a 5k in 18 minutes or 19 minutes when really you've done 400 meter intervals at, you know, whatever pace that is. And then paused your watch. doesn't mean you can necessarily do an 18 or 19 minute 5k because, you know, it, it doesn't really, it doesn't, it's it's not reflective of where your fitness is at. So that's why I don't really pause my watch anymore, even on intervals. So, and, and that was, that was a lesson that I got from Kirk and it wasn't even a, a, a specific message to me. It was just something that I had heard him talking about where he's like, you know, uh, people will pause their watches and, you know, people will look at that and be like, oh, this person's really fast, but they're not really being honest with themselves because they they think too much about what Strava thinks. And to me, learning to be honest with myself through the help of a coach is much more important to me than what metric or number shows up on Strava because at the end of the day, a number on Strava doesn't matter. It's it's the race. It's what the race says. Will my race reflect my goal? I don't know, but I know that I'm putting in the work that I need to and I'm being honest with myself about that. And then it leads into number six, which is helping you assess the reality of your goal. So my goal, those of you who have been listening from the beginning, you know that I started this thing wanting to run a 240 marathon. Will that goal ever come to fruition? I don't know. 
But I, when I first worked, uh, started working with Kirk, I told him, look, my goal is a sub three hour marathon one day. And th- these are my numbers. These are my PRs. This is what I've done. This is how old I am. This is how much I weigh, blah, 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 blah. This is my work ethic. And he said, look, there's no guarantee. I, I think that that is possible. It's not a fool's errand. I think that was his exact words. It was, it's not a fool's errand. And that kind of, and, and I, we didn't talk about 240. We just talked about sub three. And as we've gotten, as we've gotten further, we've, we've not really discussed that goal yet because we're not there yet. And, you know, there's no point in discussing it just yet because we're still working on our first goals. And to get to that goal, we need to focus on the first goals. But, you know, through workouts, you know, where I've tried to push myself a little bit too hard, <laughs> he's always said, look, man, you've just learned the hard way that that's not where you're at right now. So you got to assess the reality of that. So when you're starting your interval workout or when you're starting your progression run or when you're starting your tempo run or threshold run, figure out the reality of that. So if you're trying to do a, you know, a race pace run, don't start it at a six minute or a seven minute mile. You know, for me, that's for me, you know. Uh, so if my race pace is an eight minute mile, I should be starting right around an eight minute mile. And if I'm trying to do that entire workout at a seven minute mile, I'm probably going to burn myself out because that's not, I haven't really earned that yet. You know, sure. A seven minute mile for three miles, fine. Um, A sub seven minute mile for three miles even, but three miles is very different from eight. Eight's very different from 26. And so you have to assess the reality. And so when you get done with certain workouts, you can figure that out. So, all right, so I've done my eight miles. I, I got through my, I got through the pace that I wanted to. I actually, you know, I I went faster than I probably should have for the entire time, but I even split it and kind of my last mile was my fastest one. Fine, but I was able to assess the reality with him after that and be like, well, okay, this is how it felt for eight miles. Granted, I was going a little bit faster than I should have been. But do I know, do I think I can hold that for 26.2 miles? I don't know. I just don't know, you know, and that's, that's kind of a terrifying place to be, but it's also a good place to be because, all right, so I know that if I start faster than an eight minute mile that day, it's not going to be, that's not going to, it's not going to end well. So I know that I'm going to have to start a little bit slower than my goal race pace to be able to come close to what I want to do. Now, do I want to ease off too much? No. Is there a possibility that I will blow up? Absolutely, of course. But, you know, at the end of the day, you've got to be gutsy a little bit. And sometimes that's going to work and sometimes it's going to not. So, but we will assess the reality of that. Do I want to start at a 730 pace? No. Do I want to start at a 750 pace? No. Even eight minute pace? No. I'll probably start it at about 815 to 830 and drop it down as I go. And hopefully negative split but that's the reality of it that's the reality of the situation and i need i needed to hear that and then the final thing this is number 7 and it's not so much of a benefit but more of a warning a sort of you know like a caution coaching is not an easy fix I will say that. So just because you have a coach 
doesn't mean that you're going to automatically get faster, stronger, easier than you ever have before. It's not an easy fix. You will need to do the work and there will be work. I say it to my clients all the time. You know, sometimes, you know, I'll, I'll put together a program for them and they won't follow it and then they'll wonder why they're not seeing the results or, you know, they're wondering why they're falling behind and I'm like, well, you're not doing the work. You have not done this program the way that I have laid it out and this is what the result is. So you have to understand that just because you have a coach, it doesn't mean that everything's going to come easier. As a matter of fact, you probably work harder than you would without one. And that's part of why, why you get the results that you do because you are working harder. You are working smarter. Yes, of course, the old cliche goes work smarter, not harder. But sometimes you got to do both. Sometimes you got to do both. Working harder will help you become smarter. It will help you understand what your body is all about. And it will help you understand how really to put that hard work to use for yourself. So just always remember that coaching isn't an easy fix. It is there to push you and it will push you and you will work. But if you do the work and if you do the work that you're supposed to, and I mean that both ways, don't don't underdo it and don't overdo it. Stick to the plan, trust the process. You will see results. And as you go, the work will change because you as an athlete will change. So what works for you now probably won't work for you 12 weeks from now, you know, in terms of what you're doing. And, you know, that doesn't necessarily mean that it's going to be that different. It just might mean that you have to push harder. Like a five-minute pace six months from now might not be as hard as it was today. And so that five-minute pace might need to be a 450 pace. And then so you keep adding on, you keep learning, you keep pushing, and you push to the level that you think you can with your coach and you work together. Because the point of any training is to do as much as you can while staving off injury. And so that's that's where you'll work with them. You'll work hard, you will work smart, and you'll do as much as you can without hurting yourself. And sometimes that's going to be a lot more than what you're used to, but you will build up to it. So me personally, when I, so those, okay, so backtrack, those are the benefits that I find with coaching. So number one, there it's invaluable. Number two, the accountability. Number three, the advice when you're unsure. Number four, personal tailored help. Number five, helping you stay honest with yourself. Number six, assessing the reality of your goal. And number seven, more of a warning, more of a caution. It is not an easy fix and you will need to do the work and you will work harder than you have most likely. So me as a coach, and this is whether I'm doing life coaching or if I'm training, I will normally use an acronym called TGROW, T-G-R-O-W. So T, that's the topic. So what are we talking about here? Are we talking about racing? Are we talking about just general running fitness? Are we talking about getting you know fitter in terms of fat loss, weight loss, musculature, muscular endurance? What is the topic? Number, uh, number, number, letter, letter G. So T, G. G is your goal. What is your goal? Is your goal a 5K? Is your goal a 10K? Is your goal a 21.1 kilometer half marathon? Is your goal to have six-pack abs? Is your goal to increase your bench press? What's your goal? 
Now, these, these, these are all fitness-orientated things. Like when I'm life coaching, it's very different. This is all much more geared toward either business or social or life in general. So that's G. R. R is the reality. So we've talked about this. What's the reality of your situation? What's the reality of your goal? You're a 30-minute 5K runner. What is the reality of you becoming a sub-20-minute 5K runner in the next 12 months? Is it possible? Sure. Absolutely. I've done it. I've seen other people do it. But what is the reality in terms of your situation? You know, can you go from a 30-minute 5K to a 13-minute 5K? Probably not. <laughs> not in 12 months anyway. Uh, well, it's possible, I suppose. But what's what's the reality? You have to assess that realistically in terms of what your timeline is, what your capabilities are, what your, you know, unfortunately, talent will come into play. You know, there are going to be goals that you simply cannot reach because, and I don't mean this to sound the wrong way, it's not because you're not talented enough, blah, 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 but it is because you don't have the natural talent to do it. So not everybody's going to be able to run a two-hour marathon or a two-hour and 10-minute marathon or even a 240 marathon. You're just not. Not everyone is going to have the talent to, you know, show up and bench press 400 pounds. You know, yes, that's talent, that's genetics, but there has to be an element of natural talent in there. But that doesn't mean that you won't be able to hit your ceiling. So you really have to look at the reality of that situation. And then you have your O. What's the outcome going to be? What What do you do from there? What is your... What is your perfect case scenario. You know, what do you do if you don't hit the goal? How do you work a little bit harder? How do you assess that situation? What's the outcome of this entire training block? And then W, so T-G-R-O-W, what's next? What is next? What's, what's coming after that? Because I am a firm believer in having a strong why. Yes, you can have a specific goal, but a specific goal isn't going to keep you, you know, keep you coming back for more. Like, sure, my goal is to run, and this is just a generalization, it's not my specific goal, but somebody has a goal of running a sub-20-minute 5K, of course, that's my goal, yeah, I'm not going to lie, I want to do that again. Um, but, okay, that's great. So, what happens after that? What happens after that goal marathon? What happens after that goal Spartan race? You have to have a what comes next in order to keep your journey going. Because if you don't, if you don't have that why, that what comes next, then you're going to kind of get there and not know where to go. And that's not where you want to be. That's not where you want to be because that's when fitness falls apart. That's when you become too complacent and all of a sudden all the weight you've lost you gain back or the fitness you've lost uh, that you've fitness you've gained, you lose because you become complacent. So you have to have that. Okay. So T grow topic, goal, reality, outcome, and what's next. So that's how I work as a coach. You know, if you're, if you're interested in coaching, you can definitely give me a shout, you know, you can Instagram message me at Melbourne Superman. You can email me at Melbourne Superman at gmail.com. But that's what I wanted to. That's what I wanted to come and talk about, like the benefits of coaching. Moving on to this next, you know, this next phase, leading toward the marathon. We're heading into, starting to head into tapering now, and we're going to start to really bring ourselves back. You know, most people are starting their taper. 
you know, most people, if you've got a marathon that's three weeks away, you've already done your longest run. I've done my longest run. Uh, I was 22 miles, about 35 kilometers. Actually, it was 36 because I wanted to get an even 50 mile week. Um, and that was last week. You know, this past weekend, I did my race pace workout. It was about 12 and a half or 13 miles. Now, next, this coming weekend, I will do a 17 mile run. And that'll be it. That'll be the like last long run. And that's two weeks away from the marathon. Then I will take it right back. For example, the following Friday, which I normally do a five or four or five mile easy run, I'm doing a two mile run. So hopefully in the next few days or week, I'll get Zach back on. And we'll talk a little bit about what it is that his plans are and what he's going to be doing for the marathon. If he's going to be going ahead with it, I have to imagine that he will because, you know, we're still a little bit of ways from it. I really hope he's recovered well. So look, that's all I have to say about that. Uh, and unfortunately, like I said, I, I was riding solo today, so hopefully you didn't get too tired of my voice. But look, thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Breaking the Barrier podcast. I hope to see you out there on the roads, the trails, and the treadmills going above and beyond what you ever thought possible. We will catch you next time.